Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. And I'm Sarah Hendricks. And today we had the pleasure of chatting with Scott Jeffrey Miller, who is a highly sought after speaker, author, and podcast host. He, it is his second, third, fourth time on the podcast, and he is a delight. We had a really great conversation with Scott and talked about his new book, Master Mentors Volume 2, which is a compilation of 30 transformative insights from the greatest minds that were on his podcast in the recent years. So without further ado, Scott Jeffrey Miller. Welcome. We're so excited to be chatting with you and talking to you about your new book, Master Mentors, Volume 2. Thank you. Yeah, congrats on the new book. That's a, it's pretty awesome. I, I think there's a lot to unpack around mentors and something that I think's really uh, we're really excited to, to get in with you on. Same here. In fact, you probably know Jay Papazan was featured in the first volume. He was one of the first 30 mentors. And so the criteria for being in the book is that you're a guest on our podcast, now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. It's about 7 million people each Tuesday. And so I'm delighted to every year release a new version with 30 new mentors and 30 new transformative insights with the permission of the mentors. So delighted to be on your podcast and have your spotlight on the 30 mentors today. So since we're we're new to the One Thing podcast, you'll have to give us a little download on the importance of mentors to you and the leadership process. Sure. So a little bit about me. I've uh, spent about 25 years in the leadership development industry with the Franklin Covey Company, right? Arguably the most trusted leadership brand in the world. I was the chief marketing officer for nearly a decade. And my entire career is a result of people who believed in me more than perhaps I believed even in myself. I'm a pretty confident guy. But I think most of us really, if we're introspective, we have mentors at certain phases of our lives that have been instrumental and helping us build our self-awareness, helping us understand the difference between being smart and being wise, making good decisions and making mistakes. And even mistakes can have great you know, insights in them. I also think that I, in this book, I want to dispel the rumor, the myth that you need to know your mentor. Your mentor does not always have to be the CFO on the fourth floor or the top broker in your office. Your mentor, quite frankly, doesn't even have to know you. In fact, if you read the opening of my book, I talk about the biggest mentor in my life didn't even know I was alive. It was a gentleman whose radio program I listened to every night, five nights a week for like 12 years and had a massive influence on me. So I think all of us have mentors and we are mentoring others, whether we know it or not. It's a fundamental part of our life. And in this book, I shine the spotlight on 30 people, guests on our podcast that have mentored me and have mentored countless others through one single transformative insight that I choose to share that I think has had a big impact on me as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a colleague and entrepreneur as well. Happy to dive into some today if you'd like. Yeah. I, I, just on mentors in general, it's almost like you'd say, like whether you realize it or not, you're, you're potentially being a mentor or being mentored. And how much do you find value in being intentional about seeking out the, you know, the areas of your life and the people that you want to be a part of that or to be a mentor to you? Well, I think the best careers are the people that deliberately do seek out mentors. So you may not say 
will you mentor me every Friday for 30 minutes for nine weeks? There's, there's that, and that works. And many companies have an established mentoring process. I think first it starts with having a great sense of self-awareness, right? What is it you're trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? And I think the best mentors are those that don't try to turn you into miniature versions of them. They never say, well, if I was you, I'm not you. I, I can't be you. It's mentoring is really about understanding what is the other person trying to accomplish and does any of the insight in your own journey have applicability to them? Mentoring is a tough job when done right. Mentoring isn't about saying, well, here's what I did or here's what I would do or here's what I found. It's really about understanding the other person's fears, passions, skills, desires, inhibitions, paralysis, excitement, and be kind of gently steering them to where they want to go. Great mentors are great listeners. So I think in our lives, we have formal mentors and informal mentors, and both are super important. Probably like active and passive mentorship in that as well, yeah. right? And yeah, um, I'll also tell you, I tell you, I think another misnomer is you want to pick a mentor who's the expert at it. Honestly, mm-hmm. if I want to have a great 30-year marriage, I don't go to the guy that's had a 40-year marriage. I go to the guy that's had three marriages. Mm-hmm. If I want to build a multi-million dollar business, I don't go to a billionaire. I go to the gal or the guy that's had three bankruptcies because I often in life can't create or recreate what you've done. I don't have your intellect. I don't have your good looks. I don't have your education or your trust fund or your Ivy League. I, I, can't, I can't recreate what you've done. What I can do, however, is avoid the pitfalls that you've fallen into. I can avoid the mistakes you've made. I think half of mentoring is quite frankly sharing and learning what are the things you've done wrong and how do I also avoid those? It's half the path of success is just not repeating mistakes that others have made because I can't replicate most things you've done, but I can't avoid the mistakes you've made. Well, and you can also learn from the the mistakes that other people made and tack on to that. What are some... like? For example, I'm a big proponent of failure. I think it's a terribly uh, negative connotated word, but it means the most because it means that you're growing. And when you're able to learn from somebody else's failures, it just makes you all that more intelligent in your journey to wherever you want to go. So I love that you, you talked about that. Can you give examples of formal and informal mentors? I just want to go back to this and not miss it because I'm curious what, uh, what the difference is between the two. Yeah. I mean, everyone might have their a little bit different uh, definition based on kind of where they are in life or their industry or their career journey. I think generally speaking, I would classify informal mentors as people's books who you read, podcasts that you follow, uh, radio programs you listen to, blogs you read. I have a lot of uh, mentors. I've read their, you know, Fortune magazine columns for 30 years or their uh, op-ed you know, contributor for the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. These are informal mentors to me. They shape my thinking. They cause me to change my mind. They cause me to grow. They have no idea I'm alive. I don't have any relationship with them, but they have informally mentored me over decades. I I can name you a dozen people whose articles I read every week, whether it be an Inc. magazine or Entrepreneur or Fortune or Forbes or New York Times or Wall Street Journal, including people whose podcasts I listen to, right, that I may not even agree with. But I might vehemently disagree with them, but I listen to them to kind of challenge my entrenched mindsets as a white male 50-year-old executive. And then there are formal mentors, people who I actually 
sit down with and say, hey, I'm trying to launch this business. And maybe whether you've done this or you've done something else, could I, you know, speak to you for 30 minutes every other Friday at four o'clock? And I'd like to pick your brain on a few things. I don't want you to fund my business. I'm not asking you to open up your metaphorical Rolodex or connect me, right? We set clear boundaries and clear parameters, but I'd love to just kind of pick your brain based on my skills, my trajectories, my personality, my communication style my annoyances? Can I just kind of work with you on some of the things you think I should do? And I think that's it. Usually setting some, we're going to start here and end there. It's going to be this often. I commit to do this and you commit to do that. And I commit not to do this and you commit not to do that. And you set really clear boundaries. And provided I keep showing up every Friday on time as agreed, I've done my pre-work and I've done my homework and I'm prepared and punctual. The odds that that mentor will say, hey, you know what? I'll give you a few more sessions. Or by the way, I know someone who might like to partner with you. The more that I keep delivering on promises, making and keeping commitments to my mentor, my formal mentor, the odds that he or she will want to help me are exponentially higher than if it's just some lazadagal thing where I phone it in and don't do my share. They're going to let me go after three sessions because by the very nature of being a formal mentor, they probably are more successful, more cultured, more literate, more connected, wealthier than I am. And they might choose to offer to help me out. Do you think the value of influence between formal and informal mentors fluctuates? Like you were just talking earlier about having read some of these columns that people have written that yeah. are mentors to you. Do they do the is the value similar or is it different? And if it is different, do you have to handle that mentor yeah. differently? Yeah, I think it's both similar and different in that I'm a pretty courageous guy. Like I have a healthy sense of self-confidence, usually not deserved. And so <laughs> I'm that kind of guy that reads someone's column for three years and then I email them and then I find their phone number and I text them. I send them a, you know, edible arrangement and say, I've been a big fan of yours. Any chance you'd give me 20 minutes on a Friday of your choice? I have a couple of questions to ask you. They don't require you to do anything other than just you know answer them. So I do think there's great value in turning your informal mentors into mentors. You can learn a lot from them. Everybody's on LinkedIn. Everybody's got an Instagram account. Everybody's got a Facebook account. Everybody brushes their teeth at 5 a.m. in the mornings. They've all got a residence. I don't care how big and powerful they are. They still have lives just like you and I. And they're in their bed at 9.30 at night watching International House Hunters and they're scrolling <laughs> through their social media. Everyone's doing the same thing, right? Some might be 11.30, some might be 9.30, but everyone's doing the same thing. I don't care how much money you've got or how big you are. I think it's important to have both. They both have similar and also different values. Here's a good example. If I'm trying to become an executive vice president in my company, you're probably not going to be much value to me as a mentor in a different company, formal, informal, because you don't know the political culture. You don't know the, the nuances. You don't know how I'm viewed in the company. So I think if you're looking to get promoted inside of your own organization, by all means, have someone from the C-suite be mentoring you because they're going to know the path, the values, the culture of how to be mentored inside the company. I think there's different mentors for different needs and different phases of your life. I was just going to ask that question because I think it's so important for somebody who's listening who is in a job where perhaps they don't see themselves at that company and want to start their own business. They probably wouldn't choose someone within the company to be a mentor to them unless they were in a safe space in which that's right. maybe that's, that's right. That's possible. right. I think it's just situational, right? It's use good judgment and don't put someone in an awkward position 
Because, for example, when I was the chief marketing officer at Franklin Covey, I was a named executive officer in a public company. With that comes a pretty significant fiduciary responsibility. So I had a vice president come to me as an executive vice president and said, hey, I'm thinking of this and this and this. I might have a fiduciary responsibility to share that with the CEO from a talent retention standpoint or a competition or a non-disclosure or a you name it. So you got to make sure you don't put someone in a position that would make them uncomfortable as well, or, or their advice would not be you know, replicable or applicable with what, where and what you're trying to accomplish. It, w- it will depend, obviously, on the scenario and a lot of what we're talking about right now. But are there any more consistent or common characteristics that you would suggest someone look for in a mentor uh, when seeking to, to yeah. get this kind of guidance? Yeah. I, again, I think it's situational because, you know, if you look at me, I'm a very outgoing, expressive, high energy, deliberate person. I probably don't want a mentor that is an introvert. I probably don't want someone that is overly contemplative because what will happen is in my frustration and my uncomfortability with silence, I'll take over. (laughs) I'll take over it and I'll tell them what I want them to tell me. That's kind of my personality, right? So I think you got to understand first, what is it I'm trying to accomplish? What is it I'm trying to do? And who best in my life do I think could add value? Who could help me get there? There's that. Secondly, I think I'm going to flip the question. There are characteristics of great mentors. I'm writing a book for HarperCollins that identifies what are the 15 roles that mentors play. Hmm. And the first role is really what I call the revealer. It's You want to pick a mentor who is aware of their own personality. You want to pick a mentor that understands you know, how dominant they are, how well they listen or don't listen. Are they aware of all the baggage they bring to the conversation? Do they want to fix you? Are they trying to turn you into their mini-me? Austin Powers is my favorite movie. Forgive me. (laughs) I always have a mini-me reference. My three boys love us, this movie, to my horror. I think as a mentee, you have a little bit of responsibility ensuring that you pick a mentor that can help you, that you're setting that mentor up for success. Because quite frankly, it's reciprocal, right? The mentor should also take some value out of the conversation as well. I can talk yeah. more about that, but I do think it's important to pick your mentor wisely. Not every not every situation will fit perfectly. Some of them aren't good matches. You can you know you can call that out early on to say, hey, this has been great. My sense is that your journey is so fundamentally different than mine. I don't want to waste your time. That takes some courage. That takes some diplomacy. You don't want to burn a bridge, but I do think it takes some thought. It, it what it sounds like to me is it also takes quite a bit of self-awareness to find the, be knowledgeable about you, who you are, what you want, and be able to go find somebody who's going to be the yin to your yang. Yeah. And and easier said, you know, Sarah, sorry, easier said than done, because as a mentee, you also have to be self-aware, right? You Mm -hmm. have to understand, am I going to be intimidated by their business acumen? Am I going to be intimidated by the rate at which they speak or process? Will I be comfortable sharing? So you have to also be aware of, How good of a mentee are you going to be? Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including 
popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. What are some, call it triggers that you'd, or some some points in your life or different, um, yeah, I guess triggers that might tell you like, hey, I should consider seeking out a mentor. What are these these kind of characteristics of a, a place you might be in? Um, if you're in jail. Uh, if you're <laughs> be selective about I, who you choose at that point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I keep saying this, but I think it's probably different for different people, right? Some sure. people are in a mode where they are looking to self-disrupt right? They want to move out of their company. They want to become an entrepreneur. They want to self-disrupt. Others, perhaps you have been disrupted from some outside influence. One of my most horrifying but favorite quotes is, you're never in the room when your career is decided for you. Mm. And as horrifying as it is, it's so true. Somebody else above you is deciding your career for you. Well, that was so disgusting. I decided I never want someone to decide my career for me. I want me to be in charge of my career. I also think there's personal mentoring, right? When I became, I was single till I was 42. I was married later in life. I'm 54 now. My wife is actually much younger than me. And I probably needed a mentor and how to be a good husband. And when we had three boys in five years, note to self, don't do that. But I probably <laughs> needed a mentor on how to be a good dad. And how to, now I need a mentor on how to become a rising author and a little bit of a public person how do I keep my life balanced together, right? Because I could be on podcast all day long and write books all day long. I could never stop working. Mm-hmm. But I have three children to raise and a marriage to maintain and that. So I, I'm probably in need of mentors at all phases of my life. I think that's a great reminder for the listeners that you can have a mentor in any genre of your life sure. for any reason of yes. your life. We just constantly talk about mentors in careers, but a, a good relationship mentor could be just as beneficial. I think that's true. In fact, the book that I wrote, we're talking about called Master Mentors, Volume 2. Whenever I write a book, I also create a card deck. It comes in a little sleeve. And I actually write, I have a card for each of the 30 mentors. Oh, that's and cool. these mentors are experts from, you know, personal finance, from marketing, from surviving fires, from for surviving plane crashes. And and these mentors cross every facet of the life. In fact, if your listeners and viewers want a free copy of the card deck, just connect to me on LinkedIn, send me your physical shipping address. I won't come to your house, but I'll ship you a free deck of the cards because the mentors are very episodic to your point, Sarah, right? They cross all segments of life. And I think those are some of the best mentors and people that can perhaps coach us on our credit score perhaps coach us on buying a home, perhaps coach us on building our career, coach us on how to retire, coach us on how to repair a relationship. Now, your mentor is not your therapist. There's a difference, right? With that, there's usually not a beginning and an end and you're writing a check. Your mentor is someone typically that has enormous wisdom, that has interest in investing in you, 
that can help you accomplish what it is you want to accomplish in life with a beginning and an end. And it's very important to pick a mentor that you also, like I said before, can set boundaries. Do not ask your mentor to invest in your business. Do not ask your mentor to call up Ted Turner or you know Jeff Bezos. And you know, don't, don't ask your mentor to do anything for you other than to coach and guide you. If they offer, different story. But it's very important never to put your mentor in a position where they would feel uncomfortable and need to say no. Yeah, I love that you use the word investment, not in uh, from a financial perspective, but acknowledging that there is a mutual investment happening and being, I think, I guess, considerate of that person's investment in you. And you talked about it before, just coming prepared to those uh, particular engagements that you have and maybe setting some expectations with yourself and them about how those things function so that you're considerate of that, that person's time. I gave a keynote a few months ago to a large real estate conference in Texas. There was, I don't know, probably 250 real estate agents in the room, a few brokers in the room. I was talking about master mentors. And I said, raise your hand if there's somebody in this room that you're a little bit jealous of their success. I said, now this is a tough question because most of us don't admit to being a sociopath. Most of us don't admit to being jealous. But the fact is, a lot of us are. Raise your hand if there's somebody else in this room and you are jealous of their success. And about eight hands raised, and then 18. I kind of shamed them, and then about 100 hands raised. Up. I said, <laughs> you know, jealousy is a normal human emotion. It's fine. I said, what's preventing you from, at the break, walking over them and to say, you know what? I've been jealous of your success. I, I admit that. I'm really, or use some different word if you want to. But maybe you could ask them, you know what? Are there some things that you're doing that you could mentor me on? Any chance you'd give me three 30-minute sessions? I'd love to learn and grow. That takes courage. That takes vulnerability. But let me tell you, everyone in that room wishes someone were coming up to them saying, I'm jealous of your success. Not from a jealousy standpoint, but from a validation. I said, most people when approached to be mentored, they'd love to mentor you. Maybe not in 15 sessions, but three or four sessions. I think it takes courage to reach out to someone and say, would you mentor me? I want to learn from your successes and your failures because you've done what I'm trying to do. That takes courage. I love that. And like the fearlessness aspect of it too is giving giving enough of yourself to somebody else to say, okay, I'm going to put everything else aside and just go for this and ask or send the edible arrangement or like... Everyone should have a mentor. And I feel so passionately about this because I've had so many that have been so beneficial in my life. But when you're talking about having the ability to go out and and search someone out or talk to somebody that you've really loved and you appreciate their successes, it's just such a fun moment when they say yes and you're like, okay, now we can really move forward with the hard work. I, I have lived that story. On numerous occasions, I have no shame, which is probably good and bad (laughs) in my life, but I have no shame finding someone that I admire their success, recognizing they may be a fundamentally different person than me. They went to Princeton, the last name was Rockefeller, you know, they've got, you know, an SAT score that's bigger than my credit score, guaranteed. Um, (laughs) My credit score might have even been bigger than my own SAT score, as I think about it now, that's horrifying. Um, It says a lot for my credit, but not for my intellect. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't have any problem walking up to someone and saying, I have so admired what you have done. Any chance you'd teach me some of the things that you did that I might be willing to do also? And when, when a mentor sees that you're willing to put in the hard work, 
that you're willing to move outside of your comfort zone. You're willing to self-disrupt, try new things, fail. Man, they will keep investing in you. I, I don't know of anybody who wouldn't. I love this phrase of often a disappointment turns into an appointment. And it goes to your previous thought around failures, right? As I try to look at every setback as simply a disappointment that turns into an appointment. What now? What different? What next? Yeah. I write a lot about that in the book. Okay. So there's 30 individuals in here. Who was your favorite? No, I'm just kidding. I would never, I've never, I would never. (laughs) I I can tell you hands down right now, right now. So again, the criteria to be featured in the book is you had to have appeared on the, on leadership podcast series, 52 interviews a year. I pick about 30 of them. I pick 30 of them. And my favorite is the second mentor, mentor number 32. His name is Bobby Herrera. Can I tell you a one minute story? Of course. So Bobby Herrera is a fairly famous entrepreneur. He wrote a book called The Gift of Struggle. Small book will take you one hour to read, The Gift of Struggle. Bobby Herrero is Latino, Mexican by birth, Texan by choice. I think now he lives like maybe like in Portland. But he was uh, one of, I think, maybe nine children in a very humble financial family. And he and his brother used to play football on the high school football team. And Bobby and his brother would go on the bus with the rest of their football players. And after every Friday night football game, all the players would get off the bus and go into the restaurant and have dinner. And Bobby and his brother stayed on the bus because there was no money for both cleats and dinner. Mm-hmm. And so every, Bobby knew that every Friday night, he and his brother stayed on the bus and they ate the packed lunch that their mother gave them. Like they were going to Sizzler, not Bruce Chris, by the way, right? There was no <laughs> money with the Sizzler. Well, one night, one of the fathers came up, back onto the bus where Bobby and his brother were sitting. I might get emotional telling the story. And the man came back and he said to Bobby and his brother, um, I want you to be my guest at dinner. I'm going to pay for your dinner. And all I ask in return is that you do this for someone else in your future life. And it might seem like not a big deal, but Bobby says it was the first time in his life as a high schooler he'd ever felt seen by somebody else. He'd never, he felt invisible. And this father, a very successful businessman, got back on the bus and in private said, I'd like to treat you and your brother to dinner. I want you to be part of the team. And Bobby, you know, went on, joined the army, Decades later, became a very successful entrepreneur, wrote a book called The Gift of Struggle. And at the launch of The Gift of Struggle, he found this man 30 years later. His name was Harold Teague. He called him up and he said, will you come to my book launch party? And Harold had no idea why. So he came and Bobby told this story 30 years later to like 300 people. And the people stood up and gave him a standing ovation. Harold Teague cried went back home and he called up Bobby Herrera and said, I remember that day. He said, I had no idea the impact this had on you. And Bobby's, the point of the chapter is, are you willing to be a transition figure in someone else's life? Are you willing to take just a moment and make someone else feel seen? It's a very emotional story for me. I can tell you the names of the people that have made me felt seen in my life. And this is just one of like 30 very impactful stories to stop you in your track and say, who was it that helped you feel seen and who can you make feel seen as well? He's my favorite mentor and master mentors, volume two. And that's a, that's a really powerful story. And 
it, it makes me think about, because we, we've, been, we've been talking about how can you seek out mentors and, and when you should consider having a mentor and how you can show up to that conversation. But then on the other side, how can you be more intentional about being a mentor? And it doesn't mean waiting until somebody asks you and says, hey, will you mentor me? It's like, how can you look in your sphere of influence and, and have this kind of intentional um, proactive mentorship on those the influence. Well, yeah, and the power of influence, I think even greater is just to your point, like what emotion, what power, what positive or negative do you want to have on somebody's transition in their life? And how how can you affect other people? What impact can you leave by being that person? It's just very powerful. And sometimes it's just stopping looking someone in the eye and saying something specific to them. I love the commitment you have to your family. They are going to be so rewarded by that. Or I love your work ethic. I just love the fact that you bring light and joy. You're an energy infuser. I mean, sometimes it's these words that people, they believe for the rest of their lives. I can tell you, I was working in a bakery back in Orlando, Florida, where I'm from originally, Back when I was 19 years old, this is back in like 1987, and an Israeli woman walked into the bakery. She was on vacation, 1987. She walked in and she asked me for some directions. And I, like, like eight blocks away, you know, 800 yards that way, two blocks to the right. And she said to me, wow, you are a really good communicator. And then she walked out. I was about 19 years old. I'm 54 now. I remember what I put in her bag, like it was a chocolate croissant. I remember what she looked like. I remember her saying to me, wow, you are a really good communicator. And by the way, I am a stutterer. I have a very pronounced debilitating stutter. Speech therapy, speech pathology, braces four times, headgear retainers, Visalign, on and on and on. I have two speech coaches. That someone took the moment to stop and say to me, you are a great communicator. It made me believe that I was a great communicator. This Israeli woman from 30 years ago was a transition figure in my life and I'll never meet her or find her possible. Never underestimate what a well-placed, deserved, authentic compliment, specific compliment paid to someone can do to change their life. Because of her, I've gone on to host what is now the world's largest leadership podcast because I believe, rightly or wrongly, that I'm a good communicator. That's awesome. Congrats on the podcast, by the way. That's that's a big milestone. Yeah. Thanks. A lot yeah. of hard work. A lot of hard I, work. Uh, I too lived in Orlando, Florida for a long time. I didn't meet this woman. She didn't have a nice thing to say to me, but I, I had a great time in Orlando. <laughs> well, technically it was in Winter Park. I lived in Winter Park, which is just a suburb outside. But Yeah, I yeah. know it. Yeah. I went to yeah. uh, the University of Central Florida. Uh, I, mean, I, went to Roll- I went to Rollins College. My brother oh. went to UCF. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. it's a great school. It's a great school. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Biggest school in Florida now, isn't it? I think it's the largest school in Florida. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the University of Central Florida is the largest school in the country for undergrad and has been no. for a few years what? now. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. 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 Oh. Small world. Yeah. Big school in the small world. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So of the 30, we have your favorite. I'm, yes. I'm not going to ask the least Don't favorite. Don't ask my Don't, least favorite. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. But, you know, which of them, obviously, you know, 
they're all very impactful, but there was, was there a specific story or transitional moment yes. for yes. one of them? I mean, this is hard to say because all of them had tra- transitional moments that were impactful to you, but is there one that stands out the most that um, really inspired you to make change in your life? Did you say two? Did you say two mentors? Oh, yes. <laughs> I actually said 30, so. There's two. There's two. And I'll show the cards up for those viewers who might be actually watching. Again, I'm happy to send everybody a free deck of cards. Connect on LinkedIn. Send me your shipping address, and I'll shop you out a deck of cards. Master mentor number 36 is a man named Colin Cowley, very famous entertainer. He owns the world's largest, most exclusive entertaining company. And he wrote a book called The Gold Standard. And it basically is this premise that service is the new luxury. Service is the differentiator. And he shares a story about how whenever someone comes into one of his offices to shop his company to plan their wedding, the book is called The Gold Standard. He, his team downloads photographs. Let's just say the two of you were engaged and you were getting married, whether you were spending $4 million or 40000 right? I know. Sorry. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. I don't, I don't know you that well. So <laughs> my, I heard there was an ex-boyfriend involved. So who knows? Anyway, <laughs> uh, what his team does is they research the couple online and they get their photographs out and they visually identify them about a block away, whether they're in a cab or a bus or a car. And they send an intern down and they visually identify them and they radio back to the host. And when you get out of the car, they greet you and say, hello, Tim and Tanya. Welcome to Colin Cowie so-and-so. They greet you by your name. They know exactly who you are outside the building. They open the doors. They escort you in. They sit you in a room that's very artfully designed with, um, with you know, cookies and punch or wine, with windows that look back onto the entire office. You can see how well organized it is. They have everything down to the second because this is also how they will manage your wedding. And so recognizing that Colin Cowie brings a level of service that most of us can't even comprehend, right? Ryan Seacrest's 40th birthday party, 15 guests in the room around a long oval table. That the rate at which the waiter walks to the last position is faster than the waiter to the first position so that everyone's plate gets served at the same exact second, right? Walk one, two, three, set one, two, three, lift one, two, three. It's like an orchestrated event to make sure that this is a phenomenal experience. I don't think you can overestimate the value of service. One other master mentor, Patrick Bet David, Persian by birth, American by choice. He wrote a phenomenal book called Your Next Five Moves. Your Next Five Moves. Based on the art of chess, he talks not just about understanding what your next five moves are. Most of us don't know our next one move, let alone our next two moves. But he talks about something that's changed my life. And he says, that the most successful people talk in their future truth. They talk and think in their future truth. I will be the top broker is different than I am the top broker. And my podcast will be the world's largest is different than my podcast is the world's largest. Now, there's a fine line between being a pathological liar and talking in your future truth, right? But I do think it's remarkably impactful to have a mindset and then a work ethic and a vocabulary where you both think and speak in your future truth. I described this podcast as the world's largest before it became the world's largest, and then I went and I willed it so. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of ties back to 
uh, fake it till you become it in a in a way, right? This this idea it, it, like, it does, but you know, I was never faking it. But you get a good point, right? There's a lot of opinions on that because I'll tell you, I wasn't faking it when I got in here every week during the t- pandemic. Never missed a week. 265 episodes have never missed a week. Whether I I didn't want to shave that morning, I didn't want to get in cufflinks, I didn't want to spend the night five hours reading the person's book. The person canceled a half an hour in, and I and I took a flight back, you know, just because of that. I think it's work it till you make it is different than fake mm. it. Till you sure, make it. yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I just yeah. uh, you know that's the saying, and I, yes, of the course, same fake, fake yeah. it for me doesn't quite resonate the same way. It's more like embody yeah, the thing yeah. that you want. That to wasn't become. meant to shame you, right? I think oh, the okay. same thing. No, said. I would love it if you shamed him right now. That'd <laughs> <No>. be great. <laughs> Hey, it's did a I consistent see the two you out in front of Colin Cowie's office last week? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. No, it's okay. But really, it's about like embodying the thing that you want to become and then figuring out what are the, the characteristics that I need to portray to be able to earn the right to become this, this person or this thing. Well, and that's why having a mentor in every phase of your life and every angle and, you know, you're finding people to surround yourself with that can help you to work it till you make it. I also think there's a difference between mentoring and coaching. Here's a good mm-hmm. example. I have someone that I've been mentoring for two years. Time is up. That's called coaching and it costs you 300 bucks an hour, right? And I, I don't have the heart to break it off because I like this person, but I think it's important to recognize that coaching is something you pay for typically. You pay, right? You schedule an appointment. They have a process. They have a pedagogy that they've been certified in. Mentoring is a little more organic, but I think mentoring has an opening and an ending spot. Don't ask your mentor to mentor you for two years. I'd say it's you know probably a two to six month process. Could be one month or three months, but usually it's a beginning to an end because by the very nature of being a mentor, they probably are in enormous demand and they're doing it out of an abundance mentality, not out of a business perspective. Also, that person now knows that you don't want to mentor them anymore. You just them. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> That's not true because there's like nine of them in my life. And I love them all. And I don't have the heart to break it off with any of them. <laughs> no, but you make a good point because there. I do think that there tends to be a little bit of confusion about what's mentorship versus coaching and, and knowing that coaching is long-term versus mentorship, which has a beginning and an end. That's Yeah, I think also coaching out. generally is identified by someone that... Uh, has a credential. They've been to a coaching certification class. They've followed a process. They charge a fee. They're very much like a therapist that way in terms of how they organize their time. Most coaches, I think, in fact, most all coaches are being compensated for their time because that's their profession. Yeah, Mentoring is something transaction. Yeah, right. it's like a transactional yeah. Yeah. relationship versus a... Right. Yeah. I think so, which is just fine, right? Sometimes the word transactional has a deleterious impact, but that's what exactly what it is. It's a transaction. You pay me for my expertise and I've become certified. I become credentialized in a process and I'm going to walk you through my prescribed process. It's different than mentoring. Well, you hope to have a process. <laughs> well, well, if they're calling themselves a coach, they should. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Otherwise, they're a fraud. <laughs> Not to be harsh, but to be clear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should get called to the carpet if you're offering services. You don't have any uh, business doing unless maybe you're in the phase of uh faking it till you make it there you go. <laughs> full circle we brought it back wow okay so um master mentors volume two was there a story in here and i don't want to give it all away because obviously everybody needs to go out and get the book but that was a humorous and or funny story that made this person make the list 
Oh, definitely. Yes. His name is Ed Milet. Ed Milet is a very famous social media influencer, business titan in California. He just wrote a book called One More Thing. If, you don't, if you're on social media, you know who Ed Milet is. Ed Milet, I love Ed Milet. He's my favorite interview in all 250 interviews. He tells a riotous story of back when he was, uh, I believe he said she started an insurance and in real estate as well. And he tells a story of how he desperately wanted to buy a Mercedes because he wanted to look successful in front of all of his employees. So he found a woman in Laguna Beach, California that had a kit car. A kit car, as you know, is a Mercedes Benz body put onto a Chrysler LeBaron engine. <laughs> he goes down to buy this car that looks like a Mercedes. It's really a Chrysler LeBaron. The funny part is the body had been Velcroed on. Not welded, <laughs> not glued. It had been Velcroed on. So he buys this Mercedes, otherwise known as a Chrysler. He drives it around. The problem is whenever he came to a stoplight and stopped too hard, the headlights would pop out. He'd have to get out and Velcro the headlights back onto his car. You have got to Google on leadership with Scott Miller, Ed Milet. It's the most hilarious story you've ever met. But this isn't where it stopped. So about six months into owning this car, he convinced all his employees that he had the first hybrid car. That was back <laughs> when Mercedes bought Chrysler called Daimler Chrysler. He convinced everybody that his car was a Mercedes on the outside, but a Chrysler on the inside. The problem is he leaves a training session with 20 of his employees following him. As he's driving his Mercedes. The police come, stop him, pull him over and arrest him put him in the back of the car with all of his employees pulled off to the side of the road watching this happening. And finally, he says, why are they arresting me? And he says, police officer, why are you arresting me? And he says, well, son, this car is stolen. He's like, it's not stolen. And then he says, oh my gosh, if you ran the plates, you probably think that's a Chrysler. It's not. <laughs> it's a Chrysler. The police officer was like, are you, are you, are you stoned? Are you, are you stoned? He says, no. Officer, go up to the side of the car and just pull on it. The doors will come off. So the officers go to the car, they pull off the door and they throw it into the side and all the people are watching him. Like, that's not a Mercedes, that's a Chrysler. So oh my gosh. the funny point is, the moral of the story is, all of us in life have Velcroed over something, right? All of us have some version of a Mercedes that's really a Chrysler. You have to listen to Ed Milet tell this story. It's riotous, just for entertainment's sake. But for me, it really kind of hit home. Uh, what have I Velcroed? What's, what of my life is Velcroed that needs to be welded, that needs to be soldered, <laughs> that needs to be glued better? And if it's, it is Velcroed, am I willing to just talk about it and teach a lesson through it as well, too? It's hysterical when he tells the story. That's, that's so now I'm thinking about what, yeah, what, what I we, need what to Velcro. Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a raving fan of Ed Milet. Uh, follow him on social media. It's just pure positivity, energy infuser. His book. Uh, one more thing is extraordinary. Launched about a month ago. He's just one of you know now sixty master mentors. I'm writing Master Mentor Volume Three. It'll be out in a year with thirty new mentors. On my way to ten volumes in the series over the course of the next ten years. Three hundred mentors. Choose. In total. There's just so many great people that you have on the podcast. It's it's got to be so challenging to choose. It, it is because I try to balance all the topics. It's very episodic, right? Not everyone has one thing in common. I, I get their permission. So try try hurting 30 celebrities and their publicists and their attorneys to let them use their photograph and their 
insight. And I write about them, I think, very charitably. So it's been a big project. Note to everyone, do not write a book about other people. The legal permissions are impossible to get. But <laughs> 30 hopefully, of them. <laughs> hopefully, I can alone 30 of them, right? I've had yeah. a few say no. And so most of them have been very goodwilled. All of them have very been very goodwilled. Um, but I encourage you, if you're writing a book, don't write it about 30 celebrities. You'll never get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you talked about earlier about the value of you know staying five moves ahead, and I know you've got the version three up to ten. But yeah. what other uh, what other moves are on your oh, chessboard for the future? How nice of you to ask. I mentioned I'm writing a, a a book on mentoring, the 15 roles that mentors play. It's with Harper Collins. It'll be out in June, uh, in the fall of 2023. I'm releasing a new book called Ignite Your Genius. It's a book based on my career coaching course. I have 11 modules that are found at scottjeffreymiller.com. That is my own experience from the front line to the C-suite, 11 tenants that I think are vital to building a deliberate career because too many are accidental. I also co-own a speaking talent and literary agency called Gray Miller. So we represent authors with book deals and actors with television movie deals and speakers. We book speakers around the world. It's called Gray Miller Agency. We are the preferred agency for young presidents organizations. We book a lot of speakers for them. And like I said, I've got three sons with my wife that are entering second grade, fifth grade, and seventh grade. And that's my first job is to launch three young gentlemen in an otherwise tough world. So I got a few things going on. Staying busy. Yeah, you, you get the opportunity to be a potential mentor for three brilliant no young not, lives. I have the responsibility. I have the responsibility <laughs> of being a mentor for go. those three young men. My wife as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just heard the ding and I was like, huh? <laughs> dinner time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, I think the importance of mentorship, reading Master Mentors, Volume 1 and 2, uh, will be so impactful for those folks who are looking for those transitional moments in life where they need somebody to come in or want somebody to come in to help them move from point A to point B. And um, it's just such a great conversation to have. And it's so important to reiterate the importance, as if I can't say importance enough, uh, for mentors. I just think it's such a great conversation. Please said, thank you for the spotlight and the platform today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have uh, we like to bring it home with uh, with a question. And if you could have our listeners take away just one thing from the podcast today, what would that be? Recognize that not all mentors in your life will know who you are or you'll know who they are. Find some people, whether they're a columnist, a blogger, maybe they're a television host, maybe they have a podcast, maybe they, uh, maybe they write books that you like. Maybe you like to go to conferences where they speak. Absorb what they have to teach and recognize you can exponentiate the mentors in your life if you recognize that you don't have to know them. They don't have to give you permission to be their mentor. I've, I have named a lot of people as my mentors that don't know they play that role and the value that I've taken out of them is exponential. So don't limit your idea of what a mentor looks like or sounds like. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much. Thank you. This thank has you. been such a fun conversation and a, and a great way to wrap our day. And now we can all go get cocktails. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Whatever you do, make sure you Google Ed Milet's interview with Scott Miller and watch about the Velcro story because he tells it like 10 times better than I do. <laughs> well, and before we go, if anyone wants to grab Master Mentors Volume 2, where do they go? Sure. So it's on Amazon now for pre-order. It releases October 4th. 
this year, 2022. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, uh, Books a Million, any, anywhere where their books are sold. And again, like I mentioned, if you'd like to get a copy of the actual printed card deck free, send me a connection request on LinkedIn, put your physical shipping address. Again, I promise not to come to your home ever, but I'll be happy to ship you out a deck of cards that I use in all of my keynote speeches. On the back of each card deck is a QR code that takes you right to that On Leadership podcast episode with the actual master mentor. Awesome. And for those listeners who want to listen, it's the On Leadership podcast. That's it. Thank you, Scott, so much. It's great to meet you. Appreciate you being here with us again. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you both. Thanks for your abundance and for shining the spotlight on my book and my book about the 30 mentors. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're interested in hearing more episodes or learning about the 411, perhaps you need some individual coaching, head to theonething.com. That's the one thing with a number one.com. Also, you can send us a voice note by heading to speakpipe.com slash the one thing. And that is also with the number one or just send us an email podcast at the one thing. And that's the number one.com. We'll see you soon.